This episode of the Disc Golf Podcast is brought to you by otbdiscs.com. At one point in time, if you listened to the show, you knew uh, about our little secret site to get awesome discs. Uh, it's not a secret anymore. It is a site where you can learn everything about the discs you're purchasing before you actually have them in your hands. Get disc weight, dominess, flatness, all kinds of ratings. Learn it before you get it in there and get your favorite disc at only the best discs. OTBDiscs.com. Use promo code DGPODCAST to get free shipping on your next order. What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 187 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin, and alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. Did you ever hear Ice T's metal band? I did not. I did not. Was oh. it good? Um, I figured we'd go a 187 route with this, just yeah. because, you know. Well, they, they have like a song called Cop Killer, and like that just the 187 made Just the one that. song? That's well, they that? probably have a, they probably have lots like that. Um, I feel horrible. Actually, I don't okay. feel horrible. I'm kind of okay with the fact that I forgot the name of uh, his metal band, <laughs> but I'll, I'll look it up right now. It's it's. I'm gonna see it and be like, oh yeah, totally. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> it's called Body Count. Okay, this is his metal band. It's just him like talking angrily over like. Kind of like some thrashy metal music. Okay. So do I need to listen to it or? No. Okay. No. That's good to know. No. Uh, it's like as much, like you need to listen to it as much as you need to listen to Macho Man's rap album. So I have something from last episode that I think we should cover, which was interesting because we were uh, just randomly broke into the episode uh, joking about the Ricky Waisaki destroyers that got recalled. So uh, someone reached out to me on Instagram. I think it was Route Five Disc Golf. I can I'll check that as we go through. But uh, out of Saskatchewan, um, and he said if oh, you Canada. go if you go back to the Japan Open footage from like 2014 or 2015, whenever it was, they have video of them physically weighing every single disc. So they actually do at the Japan Open tournaments, which the Japan Open's coming back this year, I believe. Right next year, I believe next year. Uh, yeah. So they actually do weigh people's discs and check them in to make sure that you're under 160 grams. And he said the reason is is that Japan considers throwing anything over 160 grams a weapon. Ah, uh, because ninja stars. Because ninjas, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> I think that's. That I is, didn't. Also, I had no. That makes so much more sense. I was always like. Why is it 150s class in Japan? <laughs> and I didn't fact check this at all because I really just need it to be true. Oh, it's true. <laughs> because ninjas. it's true. Listen, uh, we've talked we talked about this in the Slack group uh, earlier this week that we are the number one news source for all of our listeners. What we say is fact. So with that said, um, please don't send us any corrections because if we said it, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, we've got a pretty astute listener base. We got doctor, doctors, we got lawyers. There's all kinds of very smart people out there. So we, we have we holistic get... nutritionists. Yeah. <laughs> we don't actually. We have like licensed we do, nutritionists. We do have licensed nutritionists. Um we don't we don't have uh like with bachelor's degrees from like accredited universities. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
they definitely have never emailed Ricky Wysocki. So, <laughs> okay, sad times. Oh, um, <laughs> let's stay on this Japan album for one more second because okay. I don't. I just feel like we're gonna you're gonna give us the run through and then we're gonna jump right back into what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but do you think? Like, is it um, like just one person like weighing, or is there like multiple people doing like? I would think there'd have to be multiple people. That makes sense. Like, just get a scale and get like ten people, and if you got to wait, in line, and then you did they put line. like a sticker on the disc, or like how do they know that it doesn't get? And what happens up? if you bring like a one sixty? Or do they put you in jail? We get one. <laughs> we get like you brought a weapon. <laughs> Arrested. <laughs> You're going to jail, son. In you know, I, I I'm just picturing like an anime guy with a a huge mustache and beard and and no hair on. The, just imagine imagine Dragon Ball Z. That's what's going on right now. Or like remember uh, Brody Smith and his Kameyama thing when he was uh, really talking about Super Saiyans and yeah, it wasn't like a and Paul could have just told him, but you know <laughs> whatever. Uh, but Paul just wanted to watch the world burn, so he just let it happen. Totally. <laughs> but I mean. I, it, I hate it, but this brought in more questions, and I didn't research it at all. I just took it at face value. But it's true; like they weigh it, and then like they just weigh it, and you're fine. Like, how do they know they don't switch in other discs? Or I guess if you're flying to Japan, you can't bring a bunch of discs anyway, and you're not gonna buy overweight discs in Japan. So they're probably right. Well, that's probably too, relatively like- safe. Or just someone watching, being like, "We did not weigh that bright green destroyer." Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't think it's worth I don't know. I uh, <laughs> Like is it worth trying to do that here? Uh to just to catch discs that are overweight? Yeah. Um I mean not until the manufacturers get their shit together. Yeah, that's true. Like I think Like it's not our fault that we bought a disc. Like you can't expect someone to weigh their disc and know that it's overweight. We do. That it. would that would be like and I think it would just like ruin competition. It would be like if the NFL actually tested for HGH. Yeah. There'd be a lot of people not playing on Sunday. Or, or like if if the PDGA tested for for marijuana. Oh yeah. <laughs> be that'd be bad it'd be like if the majority of businesses in california tested for marijuana yeah yeah definitely or or like did legitimate background checks and we we do very legitimate background checks i'm sure you do because we have have to i don't oh we (laughs) we do multiple we do live scan and then other my hiring process i'm like do you have a pulse all right let's go you ever stab anybody? Yeah, like why? Like really bad, or like just <laughs> like, like a little stab, or did he do something to you? Like, is someone looking for you? No. Okay. We're, All right. We're good. We we're can good. start tomorrow. I'll help you out with the paperwork later today. <laughs> do you ever stab somebody? Yeah. Uh, what was it for? What was my boss, and he just really pissed me off one day. Hmm. hmm. Do you promise not to do it yeah. again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty pretty much exactly how it goes actually so yeah sweet but i mean back to your your point like is it worth doing here no because we already know we already understand that there are a lot of discs that end up overweight because the manufacturers aren't really held to it so we we end up with a lot of them that way so yeah i mean it, and 
there's no real advantage to be had. Like in Japan, there would be an advantage because someone could sneak in a 175-gram destroyer or 175-gram force or Zeus or whatever and have a significant advantage over the field. It's so cr- like, But here, it's like everyone could go find a 177-gram destroyer here. Like you could go do it. I 100% thought that the Japan Open was like at elevation and it was just like a little thing they threw in to be like, oh, it's fun to like is be it, 150s is it, class. And isn't it at a little bit of elevation? I think, but not enough that um, I don't, you know, I think pros could throw max weight stuff and it'd be fine. Yeah, well, they can. I just, I, I thought that was the reason for the 150s class. Got it. Yeah. Um, but weapon makes way more sense. I honestly can't remember what I thought the reason was. I just thought it was like, hey, look, they're doing something different out there. and They're just trying to sell Blizzard discs. That that could have been what I thought, actually. Because <laughs> Blizzard discs were like an actual thing back they then. They were. Oh, that was like right when I really started playing was when Blizzard came out. And I was all about it. <laughs> Fucking throwing Blizzard ape all the time. And then, I, and then I started throwing more and I got a champ ape. Very different disc. <laughs> yeah, not... Not the same at all. But hey, uh, Nate Nate throws apes. Or he did. I don't know if he does anymore. I think he still does. I don't know. But the ape is definitely on, on one of those lists of discs that you you see in a beginner's hand most of the time. But it just so happens that Nate Sexton also likes him. So. Well, he loves Excal. Excal is one of those, Oh, two. that's what it was. That's you're right. Was. You're I was right. Like, I was yeah. like, no, he doesn't throw. Excal totally. He crushes Excal. Yeah. No, you're crushes right. crushes Excal. Okay, the ape still sucks. Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, for sure. All right. Well. All right. What well, what are we what are we doing this week? We've got a great show for you tonight. We are going to uh, talk about the Japan Open and why. Oh, crap. We already did that, didn't we? We're going to talk about Ricky Wysocki and his uh, interview with Terry on Smashbox because it was very interesting and enlightening look into mm, enlightening. his his treatment uh, for uh, apparently Lyme disease. And uh, then we're going to recap the Memorial, the first Disc Golf Pro Tour event. So we'll hit that up. And then we'll do our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring on the course. Tonight we have the DGA Squall, which is six-speed, four-glide, minus-one turn, two-fade, kind of tweener fairway mid. Um, I kind of feel like it's fairway, but I, I could see people putting it in the mid category, too. And uh, then we're going to pair it with Mint First Run IPA, and this is by Live Oak Brewing Company. It's out of Austin, Texas, and this was sent to us by Robert Graham, and the uh, Squall was sent to us by Austin Neely. So this is a fully listener-supported deer review on this one. So the Squall is a sweet OTB uh, granite plastic Squall uh, that was sent over by Austin, and then uh, Robert Graham... uh, Huge mint guy and longtime pod supporter sending us the uh, first run mint IPA, which is a collaboration with uh, Mint Discs and Live Oak Brewing. So, uh, pretty awesome. Got a got a pretty nice disc golf. I wish we could have paired this with a a mint disc, but there was no way we were going to hold on to this beer no. long enough for the next mint disc to come out for us to review. So. By the way, fun fact: uh, guy who is one of the owners of Mint Disc told me when I'm in Texas that I'll get to throw the prototype for their new disc. That's cool. Yeah, and you're going to be in Texas in like a week? Week and a half. The 16th. So 16th of March, I'll be in Austin 
Um, if you live in the area and you're not in our Slack group, jump on in, or you can just email uh, the disc golf podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. I'm going to try and get out. I'm there with family, so I'm going to try and get out. I'm, I'm hoping two or three rounds. I think two for sure, three I'll push for. And he's going to let you bring one of those prototypes back, right? So, like, I can get my paws on it. and I mean, I don't know if he'll let me, but, <clears throat> you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Just I'm gonna do I'm what gonna, you normally I'm do. Get everybody him, drunk and, and exactly. I'm gonna give them the old the old uh, beer pond runaround. Just get them way too drunk to where they can't play anymore. Yeah, and, and then, that's when you win. And then leave with all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. It'll be fine. You 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 pack like one pair of shorts and like two pairs of underwear for a trip anyway. You'll have plenty of space. In your no, room. I bring. Listen, the amount of beer that I drink. Okay, four Get, pairs of underwear. Like I overdo it. Like for each day, there's there's double pairs in there just in case. I usually don't run through it all. I never have run through it all, but it's there just in case. That's that's one place I don't want to find myself uh, rolling commando on the final day of a vacation. Is this like a crap in your pants worry, or what kind of what's the? Not necessarily crap in just, pants, but the, just, just a little swamp bottom sort of uh, yeah, situation. That, and I just I, it's more like. Is a shark considered crapping your pants? If it gets on your underwear, yeah, I'd say so. Well, I mean, like it's just like a little, uh, a little spray. <laughs> spray. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's that is the worry, though. That for sure is the worry that uh, that I'll I'll trust a fart too much and. I love how we're gonna take this this conversation we're having right now. I love that this is the main show too, and this is not <laughs> it, a pre-show. We're gonna attempt to segue into a legitimately serious medical conversation. I know. I about- saw that too, and I was like, I'm like, try- I'm like stalling. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get. I like, it's um, it is. It, you know what? So, I, I okay. I'm gonna move us into this. Um, it was really hard for me to watch this. It was super duper hard for me to watch this. I don't like. Um, I don't like drama movies. I don't like things where I have to like feel feelings. <laughs> I don't like um, I do, I don't like the comedies. I think uh, I forget what like the you don't like comedies. I don't like the comedies where it's like the person like the um, meet the parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't do like, those either. Where there's the the person who just like keeps making the stupidest. That's like, called that's called the idiot plot. That's what it was. I was gonna yeah. say. I think you know what it's called. I I never yeah. remember. Like I hate watching those. I hate watching things where it's like you could so easily fix this. Just like be smart about it. Like have common sense and like good critical thinking and like it's fine. Like I hate those two things. Like I can't. I don't enjoy watching things like that. And this interview was a mixture of those two things. Um, but as I went deeper. I realized it was more like um, a car crash, and it made it a little bit easier to watch. And I actually went back and like rewatched multiple parts, like trying to like dig deeper. Um, but it was I, I I definitely it took me a long time to get through the first time, and then I watched it more. So this is an interview uh, that was done by Terry on the Smashbox TV channel of Ricky Wysocki. And um, there's actually Seth of Disc Golf Strong was on right after. But uh, Ricky decided he wanted to go on with his uh, nutritionist, uh, who's a guy named uh, Drew Detzner. 
and he works at Vital Nutrition Center, which is in Wisconsin. And um, they are very quick to tell you that they don't diagnose problems. They don't cure problems. They're just focused on uh, getting their clients as healthy as possible with, you know, good nutrition and supplements and stuff like that. Uh, as the interview goes on, it, it, it seems to be somewhat of a different story. And, and what this really, there've been a lot of people, I guess I'll start here with Rick. Rick has been vocal about his fight with Lyme disease. And there has been a lot of people out there uh, that have been very concerned about Rick because he doesn't appear to be taking a modern medicine approach to combating that Lyme disease. He is not taking antibiotics and has been vocal about that and has been taking, you know, people have speculated that he's, you know, doing all kinds of holistic type methods and things like that. But it hasn't really been clear as to what he is actually doing. But he does have a lot of trust in this guy from uh, from the Holistic Nutrition Center or whatever the fuck the place is called. Uh, Vital Nutrition Center, sorry. Yeah. So um, I had uh, one of our Slack members, uh, Karen Barrett, decided to go through the interview and actually pulled quotes for me. So thank you, Karen. I really appreciate that. And uh, just kind of some of the, the, the main things. And there's some of them that really stuck out to me that kind of exemplify a really serious issue in our society with the kind of anti-vaccination, anti-modern medicine, like sort of thing. And then also just kind of what I believe to be pretty much snake oil. Like Rick, I think yep. that Ricky is being sold snake oil and uh, it's unfortunate, but I just got, I felt like this was an important thing to go through on the podcast and just put it out there for, for people to digest on their own. Obviously I have my opinion and Ricky has his, and that's that. Um, I also want to say that, um, I, I, I saw a lot of people that were kind of being upset with Terry for not being a little bit more hardball. And I got a couple of things to address with that. One, Terry likes... That's not his job. That's not necessarily his job to do that. And he also is probably going to have to interview Rick like 25 or 30 more times in his career. And it's important for him to have a good rapport with him. He also, while he didn't, you know, he lobbed up a lot of beach balls for them. He did ask the questions that prompted answers to the questions we've all been asking asking and we got responses that we can now digest and and in our case be try, try to digest be a little uh, disappointed slash verging on outraged about so it, he did provide that to us so i, I that's kind of how i feel i think terry did a a good job of of keeping keeping the conversation going asking questions that prompted them to give us responses to questions we'd never heard before and answers that we weren't aware of and i don't know that the interview lasts as long if if he's clearly coming out there and just you know assaulting them with with more pointed questions and don't you think this is insane why aren't you going to the doctor that sort of thing i don't know that that's his place to do that so joe and i here we can uh go on for days about it rick go to a doctor (laughs) yeah go to a real doctor so I don't think it's Terry's job, but I do think it's our job. I don't think it's Terry's job on air. 
Yeah. I think it's Terry's job on air. I think as like a compassionate human being, I hope he found time to be like, yo, Rick, I'm worried about you, dude. So uh, right off the bat, Terry opens up and he asks Rick, you know, basically, how's it going this week? It's like a generalized question. And then uh, Rick goes in. My my play has been hindered by a bad swelp in my leg. And then quickly it rambles on a little bit. It's kind of tough. Ricky quotes are tough because he's if you know Ricky, he stutters a little bit. He jumps back and forth. So you got to chop up little bits of his quotes. But He's got this bad swell up in his leg, his knee, and then he goes on to say, but good news is it has nothing to do with Lyme disease. So, and then followed up with zero explanation as to what it actually is. It just, his knees messed up, whereas in the past, we would get like, oh, I was playing basketball and this happened, or I was doing that. But instead, it's just like vague, my knees swelling up. Uh, and had a lot of pain. I can't really get up, but it's not Lyme disease related. That's definitely not a thing that happens when you get Lyme disease. Uh, uh, actually, uh, it definitely is. It, yeah. one, it 100% <laughs> is something that happens, especially if uh, you have Lyme and it goes untreated. And then, so there's plenty of other questions. I'm obviously, I'm cherry picking quotes that I felt were, were that stood out to me. But uh, Terry asks how Rick decided he needed a nutritionist and trainer, etc. And Ricky responds, basically, I could go the, <laughs> go the you know, conventional, the doxycycline, or I could go with someone like Drew who's going to, you know, get my body in top shape through diet and supplements. Also, he happened to call me when I was delusional, like falling apart from like the infections that I had, and I jumped right in. He continues on to say the fact that he has cured it and has, you know, worked with tons of other clients that he's also cured that gave me a lot of reassurance. He knows what he's talking about. He's a true professional, and he's definitely got the knowledge to knock this out. Uh, No, no, he doesn't. (laughs) The next thing that Drew Detzner says is I don't offer any cures for anything. I don't treat anything. I don't diagnose anything right out of his mouth. That is what this guy says. So Ricky has this belief that this thing is going to happen. He believes that he can be cured. He has He's under the impression that others have been cured, whether he's delusional about that or he's been told that. And then the first thing the guy says is, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't offer any cures for anything. I don't treat anything. I don't diagnose anything. Basically, like, I get your body healthy and your body fights these things off for you is the premise here. Yep. Um. Yep, I get your body healthy and you can beat AIDS. So, twice. <laughs> so, and then Drew continues on to say, "I don't re- I don't want it to ever come across like I'm curing something or diagnosing something. The work I do is not medical work." So, he's very clear to say these things that he is not a medical professional and he does not diagnose, he does not cure anything, but Ricky is echoing a different sentiment. Oh, totally. Well, to- so um, I do like the fact that Terry did ask him point blank if he went to a doctor, where he said, "Well, no." Hang on, that's that's the, oh, that's, that's later. Yeah, that's the well, that's the end of the interview. Oh, okay. I just I just hate the fact that when he thought he had it, he talked to the Drew guy, and, and I might be skipping ahead. Um, that he then was advised by drew 
for the testing. I know there's a, a testing quote from from Drew. There is. It's like but, the next one. But. but through said testing, which tell you what they are, that's how he found out he had Lyme. So Drew then went on to give his background. Uh, and he also said things like, I believe that once a person contracts Lyme, it stays in their body forever. Uh, he then goes on to talk about his Lyme fight, where he uh, details that he was treated with antibiotics like doxycycline. He had cortisone injections. He even mentioned something about chemo for it. Yeah. Um, but doesn't attribute anything to those as to how he actually defeated Lyme, because it couldn't possibly have been the approach of modern medicine. So um, that was kind of concerning that he himself had Lyme disease, uh, went through the modern medicine uh, approach to it, appeared to have been better at some point. Yeah. And currently Currently seems like he's better and doesn't attribute any of that to it. And then uh, further kind of, I don't know if, I'll call it sad delusion. Ricky kept saying things like, Lyme has basically changed my life but for the better. That and, was the quote. I sent you that in Slack and was like, what the like, fuck? Like, because he found this person that's help him, helping him get his nutrition and his body in line and, and his strength and all this sort of stuff. Like, yes, Lyme sucks, but I found this this new way to, to you know, treat my body and, and be as strong as I possibly can type stuff. Just, like, kind of, it, it seems a tad delusional, unfortunately, to me. Uh, and then it, when questioned as to how they came about the, the diagnosis for Lyme, uh, Drew says, we did blood analysis, hair analysis, saliva analysis, and urine analysis. We wanted to be really comprehensive. I was also thinking, I don't want to mess up someone's life. And uh, taking away from that last part, you go back to the first quote I told you from there. We don't offer any cures for anything. I don't treat anything. I don't diagnose anything. And then 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, he's talking about blood analysis, hair analysis, which makes no sense, saliva analysis, and urine analysis. Well, they want to know if Rick did meth in the last six months. Like I, I, I don't even know how he's qualified to even read these tests, let alone analyze them and come up with anything to any kind of comprehensive health plan to 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 treat them i it doesn't make any sense especially since he said from the beginning that's not what he does um also a blood analysis and the blood test for lime um are different yeah i mean you would think yeah i mean it would it have there's a specific test there's a few but there's like a very comprehensive like strategy to diagnosing lime and uh hair urine saliva and most likely like a blood prick and they're looking for like the minerals that are in your blood um are not going to diagnose and rick very early on attributes these analyses to his diagnosis of lyme yeah and then continue on with the analyses they say drew once again, talking about them, says one of the things that first came up after we did all these all those analysis all these analyses was that if Ricky had taken antibiotics, it could have actually really disrupted things in his body. He was dealing with a number of infections at the same time, not just Lyme. 
and then he kind of refers to a book about gut flora and and like the beneficial bacteria and things like that that you can have in your gut that that uh help you you know be like a healthy person and stuff um <laughs> but luckily for us yeah fun fact in our in our slack group uh we have several doctors that were able to watch this video and then give us feedback. Like actual doctors, like accredited universities, <laughs> uh, medical doctors uh, who work in the medical field. So we had a whole thread about this and be like, what does this mean? Like, cause I don't want to sound like an asshole on this stuff. And the, the two responses were that really holds no water. Uh, they would, a doctor would prioritize a serious bacterial infection that causes arthritis and, you know, neurological pain and disorders over maintaining your gut flora. Like we have probiotics for a reason was basically the the response to that. Like (laughs) there's no one would ever be like, well, we want to make sure your gut's okay. So we're not going to treat this serious infection you have with antibiotics. That's not how, how it works. Yeah, you, you you might poop funky for a few months, but it'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, the, one of the quotes, I loved it, but I mean, yes, killing your gut flora is bad, but so is debilitating arthritis and neurological neurologic symptoms. That was that was a uh, that yeah. was a good one. Yep. So thanks, Cebay. We appreciate that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But basically, you know, another quote from him, from Drew: When we take antibiotics, we kill. Uh, we know they kill both the good and bad bacteria. Those good bacteria that we can lose help our immune system to function ideally. So at the state Ricky was with multiple infections, if he had taken antibiotics, he greatly risked letting some of the other infections kind of ramp up in his body. So at that point in time, antibiotics weren't really an option for Ricky. Once again, this is seriously overstepping what he says he can do. This is like, in a, this is egregious. This is awful. This is not what, Someone, a person that is not a doctor, does not diagnose and does not provide cures for anything, should not be telling you when and when you should not take antibiotics. That is not cool. Right. I'm going to jump on the next Cbay quote because okay. I want to. I want to read them too. <clears throat> so another Cbay uh, direct. The guy claims not to play doctor, but I doubt the tests he's ordering are diagnostic, which I kind of talked about earlier. If they are, I question his ability to interpret them. Either way, the likelihood of a young, healthy person having multiple synchronous infections that disappear on their own and are detectable on a hair saliva urine test is essentially zero. The guy claims not to be a Lyme expert, and he isn't. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's basically what it gets to. And then I, I feel like we've we've slammed this pretty well, but I'll get to the last one, which you, you already uh, got to, which is that Terry asked Ricky for the first time if Ricky has seen a doctor about this. And he said a bunch of different things. And then finally, in the center of his quote, he said, so to answer your question, no, I basically didn't see an actual doctor. So at this point, Rick may not even have Lyme's disease. I mean, it seems like he does. Yeah, it seems most likely, but but we don't know. He's for sure. never had an actual test by a doctor because he's never seen one. Yep. So it was just it was just horribly disappointing. Uh, and I I think that a, another quote from another response from one of our our, our doctors was that uh, this is a classic snake oil snake oil salesman move. 
He runs a myriad of tests to diagnose a wide range of problems that all boil down to a lack of nutrients, nutrients that luckily they sell as supplements. Yeah. And this is the kind of stuff you got to watch out for in the world. This it's, is uh it's it's uh Scientology in in supplements. Kind of. Yeah. It's like see, do you feel don't you feel better now like because you're taking this stuff like Oh, you know what? You're feeling weird now today. So that means we probably just need to up the amount of supplements we give you. So let's buy, you know, 40 days worth. Yeah, it'll be $600, but um, it's going to take care of you. And then, you know, a few weeks later, oh, you're feeling weird. Like, let's try something else. And it's going to be more like and that and and, and Robin brought this up um, maybe in, in the pre-show, but. I very, very much doubt this Drew dude spent his own money and took his own time to go from Wisconsin to Arizona to be a part of this. Yeah. Like he like there is a very good chance that he is like traveling with Ricky. I hope not. I really hope not. But yeah, I don't know. And I mean, there are parts of this that are that are harmless. Like there are parts of it. You know, eating better, reducing the amount of sugar you take in, and getting good nutrition. Every doctor is going to tell you that's an excellent thing to do to improve your overall health and oh, your immune sure. system and everything. So, like, there are parts of it that are probably totally fine. The part where it's wrong is when you advise someone that they should also not listen to a doctor and get antibiotics, which he repeatedly called antibiotics. I just I can't, <laughs> like, just hear it in my nightmares type type uh, mispronunciation but but there's there's a line to be crossed that you shouldn't cross there if you want to be a a nutritionist whether you're you're licensed or not you advise them on nutrition you don't step over the line and tell them whether they should take certain prescription medications or not that's not your place you recommend them to a doctor to advise them on that I just, it blows my mind. That this just isn't safe. I'm worried about Ricky. Yeah. No, that that's where this whole part of it comes from. It's it's sad that we had to uh, preface the subject by talking about um, shitting your pants. But, you know. I mean, sharding. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're, we're humans. We can be trusted, right? It's not that. I think so. But that's, that's the main problem we have with, with the whole thing is that. If you want to take some supplements and uh, eat healthy and reduce the amount of sugar in your body and all of that, you will be more healthy, and that's oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But as soon as you step over the line and start advising on a myriad of other medical issues that you're not qualified to do, that's a problem, and you should not be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Um... Hopefully, hopefully someone around rick is able to get to him to a point that that he eventually gets a course of antibiotics so that he can he can get through this and be okay and continue to to play at a very high level i mean i re- like i'll i'll i mean i'll eat crow on it too if he if he gets healthy on his own with with this that's fantastic and i would love to see him do that what are the odds of an innovation <laughs> that was pretty good right i'm wondering why it hasn't happened yet like if you're, that was, that was, but that was solid, right? Yeah, no, that was real good. 
I just came up with it. I was stoked on it. But I I mean, this is one of their top assets. I don't understand why someone isn't I I mean, we watched this and saw this. How are there not fifteen people at Innova watching this video and being like, Oh fuck. I mean the whole I mean, I feel like all of disc golf is probably there. Like I don't care if he's your fiercest competitor, like Paul, who's the most competitive, I think, in the, the MPO field, I'm sure is also like, bro. Well, even they had uh, later on in that episode of Smashbox, they had Seth Muncy on of Disc Golf Strong and asked him about it. And he basically punted on it and was like, you know, Ricky's health decisions are his. And, and you know, it's not really my place to speak well, to it. <laughs> that's because <laughs> Ricky's a client of his, too. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, let me, uh, let me get my money. As long yeah. as he's on this tour, I'll get yeah. I don't mean it that like Seth is a stand-up dude. I don't mean to no, throw that's him true. in that in the in the Drew Densner world, but but it's true. I mean, yeah. if he speaks out against it, and then Rick's not in his little warm-up area, uh, you know that that that's that hurts hurts. That's money out of his pocket. Pictures he can't post. I don't know if if uh, Seth actually charges pros for what he does. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he needs to. I mean, just like the, but I don't know. He, yeah, he does his thing. He gets to go and and roll around. He does. He's got a good thing going. He does. We, we do need to reach out to him at some point. I and he does that before. And he's doing something that actually makes sense. He's helping them with stretches and warming up. Yep. And uh, probably not telling them how their ACL is doing. So right, right. That's. That's good. All right, you ready? Let to- me let me stretch you through a, a torn PCL. <laughs> yeah, you don't need surgery. Like, just do my stretches, and and you'll be fine. Oh man, so sorry for the uh, the the rage segment on there, but I I we feel like you. this had to be said on on the show. So we'll uh, we'll move on now to the Memorial Championship uh, out of Scottsdale, Arizona. So we had uh, four rounds of disc golf out there in this notoriously uh, birdie friendly tournament. It's our kind of first major one of the year, Las Vegas challenge obviously, but but uh, the first disc golf pro tour event there was uh, live coverage that we got to digest for the first time through the the Disc Golf Network, and uh, overall they did a, a pretty excellent job. I I felt the live coverage did did really well, both in um, quality of the the video coverage and the commentary and the switching overall was was really good. And I also thought their format did did pretty well. So overall, I'd say this compared to where we stood last year at this time. With the first Disc Golf Pro Tour event at the very same place, where with Steve Dodge uh, holding a generator behind a camera, and uh, people that had never filmed disc golf before uh, filming ducks and 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 geese flying around rather than the shots and and things like that. I, it, was, it was fantastic. This is this is a million times better than than what it was, and it's actually progressed to the point where I watched the majority of the live footage and. I even went back a couple of times and watched it again to pick up parts that I missed. And I watched the the post-produced to fill in. But to be honest, I I felt pretty well, pretty good understanding of what happened from the live. I got to see more of it. I got to to digest it right away. It was it was pretty good. And it, was, and it was solid. It, it streamed super well. Um, there was no I and, and this just could be Arizona. Um, because the course just so open and no big obstruction, but there was no dropout. Um, I didn't experience any like flicker, any audio, anything. Um, 
If you didn't know, they brought Johnny V on to oversee all the live coverage. Um, <clears throat> it's almost like someone said that probably would be a good idea last year, and they <laughs> like it's by someone we and mean then they everyone. last minute. Uh, anyways, except for me, actually, I distinctly remember thinking, "Hey, they might be able to pull this off," and saying that too. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too. I, I remember you saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, but that's fine. But you realized you were wrong in week one. I did. Steve Dodge didn't realize he was wrong oh. until, well, I don't know if he did. It was, I think, before it actually happened that we started to see the writing on the wall that this this was going to be really bad, especially when they didn't want the other. Uh, the other video companies on site to do post to do post produce. Then we we're like, oh god, this is bad. And then we had was it Eagles round that that was uh, like it was Eagles like sixteen or seventeen. It's somebody's round that was yeah, I think it was like seventeen down. Yeah, he something had, like he that. Had, he had a very good day. Yeah, and the coverage was complete <laughs> trash. But uh, so a lot. The memorial semi controversial. I do want to take a step back though, because I totally like shit on Steve Dodge, and he totally did get it. By the time SFO rolled around, coverage got much much better. So yeah. I, I do want to apologize. That was a dig that was not necessary. Poor Steve um, too. He's out of it now. We can't. I know. I know. And and they they did get it together, and I think them figuring it out uh, towards the middle. To hey, end they learned a ton of last season. Is the reason it's so great now? Yeah, and Jeff Spring is doing a great job, and and uh, I I like what they got going on. Oh, so. totally. It's it's certainly something. It, so a couple of things we missed on last week's episode. Uh, we didn't really mention that the week was going to be free because we weren't really aware of it. Um, right. And uh, so this week was going to be free, and then going forward, the final round is going to be free. So uh, you can yeah. you can watch the final round, uh, but you have to pay to their subscription service to catch the first three, uh, you know, two or three rounds, depending on the tournament. So um, they they got our money. Yeah, and then um, I mean they would have anyways because this is what we do. <laughs> but um, if I were a casual follower, if I you know, um, I, I would still be paying for it it's it's i think so very much worth it i mean for me at my work uh where i'm i'm often at my desk uh, you know working on on uh designs and things like that it's easy for me to pop up on a second monitor and have it going and and uh, at least have the sound in you still have the commentator in your ear too so it's kind of like a play-by-play sort of thing going on and uh, it was good and i really like the format that they did with uh they had jamie thomas and and nate doss do covering the MPO, and this is another thing we kind of messed up on the pod. We thought that it was going to be uh, Nate, Do- Nate and Val, and Val yeah. uh, doing the coverage for both, but it was Jamie Thomas and Nate Doss doing the MPO, and then Jamie Thomas and Val Jenkins doing the FPO. Uh, the other interesting wrinkle they put in was that they had the uh, FPO lead card teeing off after the MPO lead card or feature card in this case uh, for the first round. So once the MPO card finished, they would segue right into the FPO uh, lead card, which was in progress. And in most of them, they came in right around like hole six um, for, for the FPO, uh, which one, and they would also, when there was weights, they would uh, jump over to the FPO and, and put that in as well. So, at, from what we saw, it got a ton more eyeballs on on the FPO cards, uh, way more than they would usually get if the FPO was just streamed live 
three to four hours earlier before. They were right, saying right. that the the view counts were like five to six times what it would have previously done. So yeah, I did still see some like comments of people being upset that um, they cut off the first that they cut off the first or like it would be um, you know. Uh, we would be watching the men walk down the fairway instead of automatically switching to the ladies mm-hmm. who might be on the tee, which I think is stuff like they totally understand. And we'll get better at And they'll get better at Yeah, I think sure. so too. I think they're just but, all figuring out. And uh, I get it. I did see some people that were like, screw this. Like, this isn't cool. They, they jo- joined in on the sixth hole and like, I didn't get to see the whole thing. And I get that. I really do. But ultimately, I, I think that this was better uh, for the FPO division as a whole, because more people got to see it, uh, and and they paired it with the the highest viewing audience. Yeah, totally. And so rather than having them, you know, early in the morning where no one's quite on there yet, they put it with the feature, the main event, and they made it part of the feature show. And I I think that that was huge. And I think they'll get better at the switching. They'll probably get better at the timing. I don't think they intended to have it be um, offset quite that much. I think maybe they'll get a little better at it. But um, I, overall, I think it was a good idea. And I think they implemented it well. And I think it got more eyeballs on the FPO cards. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so I think maybe those of you that, that tuned out right off the bat, maybe take a second look and, and reevaluate. You still can go back and watch these videos. They're still there. Uh, but I, I think it, it got more viewers in. Plus, they were teasing it as they went through the MPO cards. So that, you know, don't leave us. We got the FPO uh, lead card coming up next. And they would switch over to it when they had a chances to. So Well, and there, but I think my favorite part of all of it is that they're experimenting like they're trying new things um instead of like being stuck in like we've always done it this way which i think um has been like a slow change for disc golf in general like there's a lot more in the last few years of like let's shake things up let's try something different uh and that's ultimately what's going to lead to the growth of the sport is figuring out what works best and, and continuing to like um you know, move around and, 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 you know, find those little niches that maybe weren't realized previously. Yeah, for sure. All right. You ready to get into scores and whatnot? I am. I kind of think we should go opposite of live coverage and, uh, start FPO. Sure. And then, and then finish with MPO. Sure. Um, first off, before we get into any of this, uh, our picks were not great. Nope. Um, I won. We'll get into that later. Yes, you did. Uh, we, six, I think our most successful pick out of anything was Paige Pierce to win. Yeah, which is the most obvious uh, pick, probably. Uh, and I don't know that I would have picked her to win this big. No, I don't think anyone did. I definitely didn't because my grip six picks reflect that. Yeah. Because I chose other FPO players in my grip six picks. So, so and she uh, won, that did not work out well. She won by 14 strokes. <sighs> went wire to wire. Jesus. Which we know now in golf terms what wire to wire is. We do. We do. Also, a, another correction from last week's episode. Uh, Robin does not know what wire to wire means. And so don't listen to him in episode 186. <laughs> That'd be a bad choice. 
<laughs> look at Robin. Look at Robin. Robin grew today. <laughs> I didn't grow. Robin admitted <laughs> he was wrong. I admit I'm wrong when I'm wrong. What's the big deal? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so Paige um, had a slow start uh, in round one. Uh, was going back and forth with with Jennifer Allen. And then as Jennifer kind of Jennifer didn't even like fall off. She just kind of stayed consistent. And uh Paige Pierce, uh throwback right here to what we were talking about earlier, went Super Saiyan and uh just did work. And that's kind of so this course How about this? Before you move oh, on from Paige Pierce to the course, four thousand rated rounds. All four of her rounds, thousand Ooh. rated. The last one being exactly 1,000 rated, but nonetheless, uh, she shot four rounds over 1,000. So she, uh, let's see, I'll bring it up here on, on PDGA, but yeah, it was uh, 1021, 1007, 1057, and 1,000 exactly. Boom. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. But, le- but this now- course is built for Paige in FPO. Yeah, it is. Um, I we thought it was built for cat too, but yeah, I don't know. So much. I don't even. I don't even. I, I don't even know what happened, and I don't. I. Um, you know what happened? Yeah, I do, but I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Paige just has, and, and here's the thing: like, you hear Jennifer Allen. Technically, Jennifer Allen is the furthest throwing FPO player. She's the world record holder for FPO. Um, distance but Paige pierce has never gone out to the desert to yeah. see how far she can throw yeah um on flat ground and neutral wind uh I, th- I think it's easy 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 to say uh Paige is the furthest thrower i uh, yeah i could see that also jen when you watch jen allen she has a lot of shots that are just, she's got that powerful hyzer, but she doesn't have a lot of control when it hits the ground. She just goes out there, pumps it, and then it fades and skips way off to the left. She had a ton of times where she hit her line, but she just either chose the wrong disc for it or didn't quite get enough angle on it, but it was just skipping way off to the left, way away from the, from the basket where she had enough distance and she had the line, but uh, either chose way too overstable of a disc or just, you know, didn't quite get the release right, but it happened over and over again. Kind of seemed like a little bit of a one-trick pony of the Heiser shot for her uh, in this in this tournament. Maybe she just didn't have her release right. But Well, I feel like hole 17 at, uh, at uh, what's it called, at Fountain Hills, which is a 468... Um, bomber hole it's slightly downhill so it but it still plays um i mean it probably plays for 40 435 440 uh it is an absolute crush and watching the lead card i think day two um and day one Paige pierce was the only one who was even getting in the vicinity and by vicinity i mean she parked it um but that right there is like the reasoning that I, I feel like it is obvious that she is the, the furthest thrower. Um, 
Jennifer Allen. I don't know. I don't know that Jennifer Allen has the power to do four thirty consistently and and just as you said, Robin, um, definitely not with accuracy. But I, I don't know that uh, she could step up to the tee box and put it out 430. And put it in the circle. Five out of ten times. I, yeah. I'm just just distance in general. Oh, okay. I mean, I feel like she's still got that. But but I just, I what I saw was her her getting there but not reading the, fa- the fast green and then. Well, on 17, like it skipped. She, she was, she was oh, yeah. well 40 short. feet short. Yeah, yeah totally. So she was way short, and and Paige was, I don't know, eight feet from the basket. Yeah. Um, and then overall, just you know, Paige really all she was playing for was that four thousand rated round. So. Really, Paige's Paige's only issue that Paige really has is um, being too aggressive on on long putts. Yeah, a little like, bit. Like that's the thing that that. Gets but her. I think I think part of that, at least in the final round, was her trying to to get this thousand rated round. She was being more aggressive than she needed to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, putting just in general. I mean, watching this tournament where you're you're dealing with pretty wide open greens, not a lot of things in the way. Uh, we saw a lot of pretty atrocious putting from from the the FPO cards here. So all right, so I will take it back. I totally said it wrong. I did a single round. When I was talking about Paige's putting, uh, Paige did finish C1X 79%. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's pretty normal for her, too. Yeah. And that's not bad. I mean, that's um, that's top 20 MPO. Probably. It's probably something along those lines. Obviously, we saw that uh, that Heimberg... Uh, well, I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But why yeah. don't you why don't you read off? Yeah, we'll go we'll go uh, top. We can go top ten. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I guess this is a deep enough field. It for totally this one. is. It totally is. A lot of people came out. I definitely so Evelina Sullinan, who won last year. I was expecting a little bit better. Same with Cat. But so Same. here I'll run through. So Paige Pierce minus thirty two in first. Jennifer Allen minus eighteen. So like I said, fourteen stroke in between first and second. Uh, and third, Hannah Bloomroos, 17 down. Uh, and then now another big gap, Evelina Sullinan, 10 down. In fourth and fifth place, Katrina Allen at minus five. In sixth, Callie McMorrin, minus four. Tied for seventh, Haley King and Rebecca Cox, minus three. In ninth place, Pichu, Paige Shu at minus two. And then in tenth, uh, Kona Panis at plus two. I'll tell you right now, I don't know that I could play one. Uh, I said this in the pre-show. I played three rounds this weekend, and I was gassed. Yeah. So playing four rounds in four days uh, at these courses, I don't know that I'd be under par. Well, a lot of lot of long court long holes too in in the bunch here. That's you know? true. There's a lot of like fun little spike Kaiser holes too, though. There are, there are. But I mean, you know, hole two, seven oh three, and then you jump to hole eight, five seventy, and then you've got you know uh, a four twenty six and a four sixty eight and a four hundred to fi- finish out. Uh, you know, there's, totally. There's quite a few holes that are that are not reachable for most. Plus, there's the three sixty eights, and we know that three sixty eight is not not a not a gimme for for a lot of players. So that's uh. That's still a far hole. So, are we ready to get to uh, MPO? We are. 
So uh, MPO, I think one of the the biggest things on on this one was that uh, that we, Nate Sexton played better than James Conrad. And you forgot to bring my punishment for that, by the I way. I know, I totally did. So we'll get that next week. Don't you worry. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll totally remember that. Just we like, will, actually, because next week we're going to be like, just like we there's total- no tournament. What are we going to talk about this week? And I'll be like, ah, just like I we, know what we'll talk we about. We totally remembered that the previous week when I, I picked Sexton, when I claimed that I had won picks and you didn't remember that you picked Sexton, who won the tournament. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, time and i think going forward we're gonna use uh the grip six picks to uh necessitate i think that's the best way to do it it is because then i can just look at my phone and remember what i picked like if we just do three three dudes and and three ladies on our grip six every time and it'll suck but you know what i haven't figured out grip six anyway so maybe that's the best way to do it maybe hey grip six you want to send us belts (laughs) anyways they probably do. They don't know we exist, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, what are you talking about? They are avid listeners, of course. Yeah, I'm sure they they definitely are. They totally are. Yeah, DGP heads. Yep, <laughs> P heads. Well, and now that we're a medical advice podcast, I'm sure oh, we'll get God. a new audience. Um. All right. So, last year's winner, Eagle McMahon, correct? Yes. Um. So first off, uh, Simon. Not Simon, sorry. Eagle and Paul played this tournament. They did not play Las Vegas Challenge. Correct. Paul disappointed us. He's washed up. Uh, Agreed. He, his season's probably over. He's 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 got that that broken foot. Yep, it's just too bad. He uh, can't throw no mo. It's a nice run, but he's gonna be out. Um, uh, Eagle, I'm slightly surprised didn't win. You know, it's I, even though I picked Paul, uh, I talked about it last episode. Eagle has a way of destroying early seasons. He he does. He has and, had and, that trend. And of, he was in Arizona like a full like two and a half weeks before the tournament practicing. Well, and plus this is about as ideal an eagle course as it gets. It is. Um just like Simon, you know, Simon didn't do very well in this one, but he still, you know, is did fine, but not what we were hoping from him. But Well, really the Simon, Eagle and Paul they they have something in common that uh keeps them um I guess something in common that that knocks them down a little bit, I guess. And Simon did a little bit more than everyone, and that's going OB. Yeah. Which yeah. is unfortunate because Simon won two years ago. Yep. Uh, and for him to finish seventh, I'm not, I'm obviously we're not spoiling. I'll go through the whole run later. Uh, it's kind of disappointing for Simon on a course like this, for sure. Um, Paul missed an ace by inches. He did. He did. In he the also, first round. Uh, in the first round, Stayed in bound in bounds through a triple mando, basically yep. through a technicality. Yep, and then sunk the putt. Yep. Um, he just had some weird miscues. He had some just really weird, like he did the easiest, like he butter Paul putt. throws. He missed like an easy, like two hundred and sixty foot hyzer and went ob. Like I don't even. He know. missed that that triple mando putter hold, and like you're talking about, like like we watched that and we're like, what the hell's going on? But then he did it again. Where he missed it on the one that has no triple mando, it's just 
wide open, but there's a wall on the one side. And he went wide right. And he just went wide right on. There's like nothing in the way. It's not a long hole. There's nothing special about it. It's just a simple hyzer. And so he had some definite miscues that were like, "What's going on with Paul here? This doesn't. This doesn't look like the guy that that is you know step on your throat, and I'm gonna I'm better than everyone in the field." Totally. Sort of, sort of thing. Totally. So maybe he was having some ankle trouble. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I will say uh, I don't think we need to beat around the bush. Uh, Calvin Heimberg played an excellent tournament. Yeah. He, he took down the win. Um, I will say, and I know you didn't watch this, so I'll talk about it just briefly. He did an interview with uh, Corey Morrell, Johnny Disc Golf, after the win. Dude is super <sighs> duper dry. Very matter of fact, um, concise, you know, you know, good speaker, uh, not a lot of vocal fillers like you hear from me all the time or especially from Rick. But one thing he did bring up, um, which I didn't even bring up to you at all until now, because I feel like it would have ruined, uh, I don't know, me bringing it up. Corey asked him about... Um, this course and why like it uh why the people who throw further play better on this course uh and his answer was like perfect and i, I wouldn't even think about it because there's not really there's a couple longish holes but there's no holes that having like an absolute cannon distance wise uh really makes it seem like it's that much of an advantage um, but then the same thing you brought up with Jennifer Allen, uh, he brought up, which is the bigger arms can spike in more and they can yeah. throw it higher and still throw that, you know, 450 and, line and avoid the skip. Exactly. Yep. They can throw it way higher and it can come down and just settle yep. rather than having to throw like a little bit of like a little flex hookup, come back and then and then get a big old flare, flare skip. Exactly. Yeah. So he was like, I think the reason that bigger arms play better at this course is that they can put the disc way higher than others and drop it down no, that's into a, the circle. That's a super good point. It is. It is. And that's why I didn't bring it up earlier because I knew. <laughs> uh, so, so but, but that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the top – Shoot, shoot the top seven um bombers bombers absolute bombers and even the top 10 um you know kale kale i don't know that i would consider kale a bomber he's not he's not i think jeremy Colling was at one point i think he still can be i mean the um, thing about kale is is he's one of those guys he can he can throw a mid-range dead straight on a rope 415 feet or whatever and then he's, you know, he's approaching five on the others, but he's not a bomber. He's not, right. by by the standards of of your Eagles and Calvin Heimberg and Paul McBeth and Drew Gibson and you know Garrett Gerthy, Alt Simon, Simon, exactly. That's why I was but, like, I was like running through them. And I'm like, and I guess Vino has to be in that world. So he must yeah. be, and that's the thing too. So this newer guy who finished tenth, and then I'll go through these in a little bit. Um, Oivind Yarnis. Asco, you can tear me apart later for that. I, uh, I think I, think I heard you multiple it. times from um, from Jamie Thomas that they are, and he is a Dismania sponsored player. That they are considering him like the third uh, bomb bro, 
what are they what do they call them crush boys crush boys bomb bros better crush brothers um, i don't know but they're saying he's a third he's like a 17 year old he's like the finished champion and i guess he just absolutely has a cannon yeah it's a it's fun to see it but that's the thing like if you look at that like aside from kale top 10 are all super bombers yep and that's pretty much the way it is every year so shoot top 10 might be the top 10 (laughs) top 10 very very honestly could could be real close to top 10 distance there's some others so like nico's in like 24th yeah that's true and i think he lives in that world in my mind he lives in that world oh kevin kevin jones too oh yeah and okay but still Conrad gets out there too. He does, but he does it on like the Seppo. Seppo's way down oh, at forty seven. So Seppo. Seppo's a bomber. Seppo, Seppo, Seppo. Yeah. All right. Man. You wanna you wanna do our, our top ten? Top ten. Okay. And then we'll we'll close it out, get on to the so deer review. Heimberg in a very comfortable um forty six down in first place. Second place, Eagle McMahon at forty four down. Third place, washed up Paul McBeth at forty one down. In fourth, Vino Makala, 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 Close 40 enough. down. Also tied in fourth, uh, Drew Gibson at 40 down. I, I do, I'll stop for one second. Um, yes, we do talk about Drew here and there, or Grew for those of you that are indoctrinated. Um, what he is doing with a buzz. Straight up magical magic i'm fucking amazing like you can't complain about that for years we talked about how this dude threw rocks also definitive proof that the buzz is better than rock yeah i'm sorry for you innova diehards are you rock diehards like oh you just gotta get the classic rock listen you got drew gibson longtime rock thrower one also One of, probably the he's probably the best rock thrower in the game and maybe the best buzz thrower in the game and and he's just throwing 440 foot frozen rope buzz shots i just incredible like yeah a, a rock's not uh, if he's throwing a 400 foot rock shot it's a slow turnover it's not a laser beam he's got some laser beams and i'm sure now nah, he's he can do he can do it with a rock but but I don't. I don't think I've seen quite that where it goes four forty. No, where he goes long on a four hundred thirty foot a, basket on a laser. Yeah. Uh, once again, Buzz is better than Rock. Okay. Uh, in sixth place, Garrett Gerthy at thirty seven down, tied for seventh. Uh, Simon Lazat, Kale Laviska. What? How? How does he work? Laviska. 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 That's the one that I don't like. Laviska. Uh, Jeremy Colling all at 36 down, and even Yarnis minus 34 in 10th. I like it. I think he did a good job. I, I'm I loved go- it. I love that LaVisca is the one that, that held you up the most. I'm going to go to 11 too because I think they're very like notable. That's true. They are. They're very notable foursome that uh, tied in, in 11th. Emerson Keith, who was on... Wasn't he the lead card like day two? I think so, yeah. Uh, which is, that's kind of a bummer that he wasn't there. Philo Brathwaite, Noah Miensma, and Nate Perkins. Noah Miensma was on the final card at um, De La two or three years ago, and I think he's st- slowly kind of building up to, yeah. I've been seeing him more lately. 
but uh, quality, very quality showing. Uh, big tournament. All the all the big boys were there, and Calvin Heimberg just did work. His putting was solid. His drives were immaculate. He didn't really need to do a lot of upshots, but when he did, he he did well with them. Yeah, and we didn't get the Tristan Tanner magic uh, follow up. So um, <clears throat> I honestly I know where he placed. I just don't know why he placed there because we don't oh have any God. video of it. But he's down like the forties, uh, somewhere along those lines. But after the the big showing at Las Vegas Challenge, to to just it would have been interesting to see. Obviously, a course with a lot of OB. I'm guessing he found it. So exactly, and that's and like I said, that's the that's the difference. Like if you, the big difference between. Paul, um, oops, Paul, Eagle, and Heimberg. Like the biggest difference is the OB rate. Oh yeah, I mean in my mind, I, I mean we're talking four strokes, right? Four strokes from. Well, yeah, but I mean at, at point point zero two eight for Calvin Heimberg and point zero six nine for for Paul McBeth. That's pretty negligible. Yeah, I mean that's you know maybe two more OBs though, like that's two strokes right there, and then there's Eagle at point one one one, like that's probably three maybe four strokes, like yep. right right there that's Eagle's first place that could be the win. But I mean we saw that in the final round, you yeah, know, with Eagle that they could have been all could, half of them could have been right there, so that could have been that so. Yeah, so congrats to Calvin Heimberg, and uh, that was fun to watch. He he certainly we we've shown more excitement than he did in this episode. For, oh my god, uh, he is the Bill Belichick of of disc golf, totally in, in the sense of showing emotion. That'd be so sweet if he if he got a a cut off sleeve sweatshirt and just started playing in it, dude. Innova, I know you're listening. Just send him a cut off sleeve Innova hoodie. It'd be perfect. Like be perfect it'll it'll work it'll work are you ready to do a deer review i am all right it's time for our world famous deer review our disc and beer pairing where we take a disc we take a beer we review them both and let you know whether you should bring it on the course tonight we have the dga squall and we have this in granite plastic it is a six speed four glide minus one turn and two fade it's kind of a tweener it's a six speed so it's a kind of right between a fairway and a mid-range uh, it just depends on on what you think. This was sent to us by Austin Neely. He straight up ordered it from OTBdisc.com and had it sent to my house. So thank you, Austin, and then thank you to OTB Discs. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say that for having uh, you know f- free shipping. Use code DG Podcast and you know get some more discs. Dan and his boys, they the best because that's the best way to fill the voids in your life is more discs. It's just the way to do it. All right, so first and off- we're gonna pair that. Oh, go ahead. With oh, yeah, Mint <laughs> First Run IPA, which is a 5.3% uh, IPA by Live Oak Brewing Company out of Austin, Texas. This was sent to us by Robert Graham. And this is a collaboration with Mint Discs to put together an IPA. And they're say- what uh, Robert told me is that this is very similar to the uh, Live Oak IPA, their kind of signature IPA. Uh, but there's one additional hop in this one. He didn't clarify what it was. So And, and, and Guy... Uh, guy- Boyan, Guy Boyan, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your last name, I just always read it, uh, he's my dude, sometimes we'll have some beverages and like text for random hours at night, and he was telling me when this was happening, 
uh, and he was pumped. So they actually the the mint dudes got to go to the brewery and smell the hops and like decide what they wanted their beer to be. And I should say this tastes totally different than the live oak. The, the smell already was was totally different. I haven't tasted it yet. Like this is the the live oak IPA, the regular one was a little bit dank. This one I think has even more dank to it. Like it's definitely got that flavor. It's a little profile. more fresh. Yeah. I mean, oh, it might be a fresher beer. It's definitely beer fresh. Too. I mean, these are legitimately in blank white cans that RG wrote. Put Sharpie on. Wrote in Sharpie, first run mint IPA to Robin from RG. And then on Joe's, he put to Joe. So uh, these are, we're feeling, we're feeling very special. Very special. Although Guy didn't send it to me, but whatever. We're All right. still friends. You uh, want to start disc let's or beer? Start, let's start disc. So these are granite plastic and it's a sweet it's, it's, OTB uh, stamp? It's Jawbreaker. It's, yeah. Well, I know. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, so... For those that don't know, DGA is manufactured by Discraft. Yeah. So, um, and while they may specify slightly different plastic blends, maybe granite has a little bit more rubber in it or something like that. I don't know. It feels a little bit stiffer than than the other JB stuff I have. Um, The stamp, first off, is super rad. Very cool. uh, Symmetrical stamp, OTB. I'd love to know who did the artwork, uh, Danny, if you're listening. Looks sick. Um... I will say, like, very first impressions, uh, we've had these for a little bit, but today was the first time that I really, like, put in my hand and, like, thought about throwing it, and my first impression was it reminded me a lot of the CAC-Z, uh-huh. um, where it is, it's totally that tweener, like, that six-speed world, which is, uh, there's not a lot of them, so it's... Um, a much more shallow mid or deep fairway, depending on what you're thinking. Um, but dice, it's, you know, a little bit more point too. Like it's a little sharper than not a little, it's a lot sharper than most mids you'll pick up. Um, and that's based, I think on it being more shallow. And that's the reason it's a six speed. Uh, it's, it's a, it, it is definitely a six speed. Like that was easy to see throwing it. Um, pretty glidey, pretty glidey, and it's it was very neutral. I I so long ago when I was first learning, when I was like in in Sacramento, like just figuring out how to play disc golf and not throw forehands all the time. Uh, the squall was actually in my bag, and I don't know what plastic it was, what they call it, but it, I'm sure it was ESP. Um. <clears throat> Or something along those lines. A more premium plastic. Yeah. Let's see. I'll look. So it was, I'm guessing it was uh, either SP line or Pro line. It was probably Pro line. SP is like the sparkly, like champish one. So when when I thought that, because for me at that time, it was a nice straight. I used it as like a distance driver, to be honest. And so I thought that. And this very much can be a distance driver for. Yeah, totally. Players. So I thought coming back to this, that this was going to be really understable. Just thinking about the power I had at that time, not really knowing what I was doing, all that sort of stuff. So I had it in my mind that this was going to be an understable disc, and it's really not. Um, I mean, it's got a little bit of understability. Obviously, yeah, you yeah. powered up. You're going to get some turn out of it. You're going to see that in headwinds, uh, but you can really put a lot of power on it and get it to fly straight and then finish with a little, little left fade and get it out pretty far. Yeah, and and I think the little fade is, is kind of the biggest thing that i kind of like the most about it so dga has it as a six four minus one two um 
And the the glide, and maybe it's because of the plastic. Maybe it's the granite. Maybe it's, I mean, in my mind, um, the only discs that I've really thrown or seen thrown in Jawbreaker plastic are buzzes and zones. And especially mm-hmm. for the zone, um, it may be do more to stability than than not, but I, I definitely uh, do love the glide on a JB zone. Yeah. So in my mind, the granite might give it just a, a notch more glide. Um, and then the only other thing, and it could also be due to the granite plastic, um, because I, I have not thrown a squall in another plastic, but I, I do feel like it's, it's more like a one fade than a two. Like it was very subtle hookup. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty straight shots for the most part. Yeah. Um I, I think this falls in the category of uh, should be put on the list of ideal beginner drivers. Uh, right. Fairway drivers. Once you're throwing putters and mids really well. Once you you got a good feel for it, this is a perfect step up from from some of those uh mid-range discs to the fairway type uh type rim even though it, the feel is more mid-range than anything else, but you're going to get more distance out of it. Like I I feel like I can throw a buzz farther than this just because the buzz is more stable uh, and I could I could get over on it a little bit more, but it goes pretty far. I don't know. It's it's it does. It's it's sneaky distance, too. It was there. Definitely. Robin definitely had some throws today that I was like, oh, that's still going. All right. All right. Yeah. Like probably we think like about three, 350 feet or so. Yeah, which is totally which doable. Is pretty for me, that's very far for a mid range. Like it is. Like I, I normally about three thirty is where I switch from from buzz to to FD. Um, for me personally, so for well, and that's that's us being uh, conservatives too. Yeah, like the thing is, you can get a buzz further, but consistently, are you going to? Probably. Are not. you going to do it as consistently as you could if then like an FD? Probably not. No, and that's why. That's the the biggest reason that we ramp up to like the fairway driver from mids, uh, and you know th- this you can get out to three fifty, but probably I mean shoot if you looked at the, our throws today, <laughs> we were very not consistent. No, we we definitely it. were. So yeah. best case scenario, we're getting out like three fifty on a beautiful like slow turn hookup, pretty much land in line to where you're throwing it. But we also had Otsi turnovers and all sorts of whatever. Um, so it definitely has the ability, like the the possibility is there. It's just like great mechanics to get it there. I would say consistently probably like that 315, 320 is the world of the squall. Yeah. And then as for the numbers, I, I'd say you could probably give this a five glide instead of the four. I mean, I'd say four and a half. Yeah, four yeah. and a half. And then I also don't think the two fade. I think it's more of a one fade. Yep. But everything else seems good. Yep. The minus one is good. It's definitely a six speed. It's definitely a, a, a minus one turn. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that that's pretty pretty much in line. So great disc. Really like it. The the plastic's awesome too. Feels super grippy. Oh yeah. Um, pretty pretty comfortable too. So. I, I enjoy it. This is if you're looking for kind of a tweener or just looking for something to fill that that spot for you. The squall is a great choice. And like I said, the uh, the stamp is fire. Yeah, totally, totally. All right. And there's still a handful on OTBDisc.com, which is great because if you didn't know, a part of the whole gra- oh, there's a ton. Y'all should go yeah, buy a lot these. of them. 
Dang. Uh, so the other thing about the granite squall, uh, the only place that you can get a squall in this plastic is is OTB. Yeah. Awesome. This is like a. Oh, that's very cool. Very nice. I I like the plastic. It's got good grip to it. I really feel like it's not quite standard jawbreaker. I think that it's it's got like a little bit of that rubber blend jawbreaker to it. So yeah, yeah. Um, really, really awesome. All oh, right, they, you ready? There's to, two stamps. You ready to to get into the the beer? Yeah, let's let's do it. So this is the first run mint IPA by Live Oak Brewing Company out of Austin, Texas. Once again, sent to us by Robert Graham. So uh, 5.3% alcohol, which is uh, out the gates failing the Joe test. Yeah. But but nonetheless, this beer is pretty good. It's very smooth. It definitely has the hoppy flavor. We were talking about this before the show. It's like, well, is this a session? I don't think it is. It it definitely has the strength, the the IBUs, in my opinion, to be considered a true IPA. So I I kind of feel like it. I I mean, I base my IPA on... (laughs) On ABV, which is not the correct, the correct mark, but that's kind of the world <laughs> I live in. Um, it 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 tastes great. Um, I, you know, it, it's not sneaky. I guess in the sense, like it's you drink it and you're like, oh, that's probably around five percent. Yeah, yeah, like, I'd say so. I mean, um, that's not that's not unfair. It, it doesn't. It's not overly boozy, but it does have the the nice bitter hop flavor to it. It, it for me, what I pull from it right away is like a very dank sort of uh, hop flavor to it. So it's not it's not overly fruity or any of those other things we would normally associate with most IPAs, like the citrusy, you know, kind of uh, fruit bombs in there. It's just like a nice golden, clean like. I'd say if anything, get a little bit of grapefruit, um, and and then like just kind of a, a dank finish to it. So I, I really like it. I, it's very very drinkable, and so is the the live oak kind of standard IPA, which we had uh, in the pre show. So I feel like it is. Um, I can't get the flavor. Like I want to call it oaky just because live oak, but I feel like there's more of like. Um, a wood chippy kind of flavor there. Like yeah. not the pine. Like an organic kind yeah, of Yeah, but more like um more like a, a fresh freshly cut tree. Um Okay. I, I, I don't know, just like the smell or like freshly cut wood. Okay. Um and not in a bad way. Like it tastes great. It's super smooth. It's super fresh. Uh I think they brewed this like within the month uh and got it to us Obviously, like Robin said, it's in white cans with Sharpie. Like, it was very limited. It was fresh. Uh, with that said, it's super drinkable. It's refreshing. Like, that is, like, a nice thing that uh, lives in a beer like this. I think it's also something that lives in, like, uh, Session IPAs. <laughs> Where it's just super smooth, um, a little, like, more effervescent almost. Like, it's not heavy. Uh, it, no, not at all. It uh, is... is something you can just crush like this is something like during a hot day like end around like if someone had these kicking it in an ice chest and you got to the the back of the the car or the truck and cracked one of these bad boys open like this would be perfect yeah yeah i i don't disagree with any of that i i really like it 
I don't have the any any uh, issues with the the lower ABV person. I know I'm a horrible person. It's it's fine with me. This is good. This is in my opinion. This is probably clo- more perfect of a of a core spirit. Five point three percent. You still get that nice IPA flavor. Still gonna have the fine motor coordination to miss your putts. <laughs> I mean, make your putts. Uh, <laughs> miss, miss your putts and. And be like, it's all on me. <laughs> and know that it was you and not the yeah, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, why do you think I drink the high ABV? <laughs> like, oh, I just drank too much. It's fine. No, no. Here's my new thing, though. Uh, you missed the putt. You'd be like, oh, my shoulder. It's so messed up. Ugh. I probably need a nutritionist. Uh, God, where's where's Vital s- Nutrition Center some, when need you need some, them? I need some supplements. They probably would have told me not to drink five beers before playing disc golf. Do you think if I called them, they could fix my torn labrum? Probably. With diet and uh, gut flora? Well, I mean, they, they could probably fix a lot of things. I'm guessing they actually could fix a lot of things for you. Probably not no, your I'm, shoulder. No, I'm purely only having my shoulder. <laughs> yes, I have lots of things to be fixed. Shoulder is all I'm asking for. But I mean, they're probably qualified to deal with other things. You know, like you could you could talk to them about those things and talk to a doctor about your shoulder. I mean, but doctors are whatever. I'd yeah. rather go in the natural way. Yeah, like having five daiquiris. Yeah, da- I don't drink daiquiris. I mean, I would. <laughs> Shit, I don't care. I'm not going to try and be like I'm too proud for a, a drink with a fancy straw in it. Like, it tastes good and it's got booze in it. Like, whatever. All right, so... Are you are you in or out on the beer? Because I will smash the beer on the course. It's not an ideal Joe beer. I I'll be honest, but I I would have no problem if uh, I mean when I'm in Austin, if I'm playing around with RG and and guy from Mint and they bring some live oak or this beer out to the course, there will be zero complaints for me. I will get on to, on it and have a great time. It's it is a lovely beer for sure. Okay, so I'm I also like the beer. I'll, I'll happily bag this one for sure. Um, as for the squall, uh, I'm not going to bag this one, but it is intriguing. I had a lot of really really nice throws with it. You Some did. pretty effortless kind of laser beams to to a light hyzer finish. Even some kind of lower kind of with some turn to it that got out pretty far. It seems like the kind of disc that you could really use as a workhorse woods uh, mid-range fairway kind of tweener where you could get a lot of straight shots with it, but get a nice, you know, have enough stability so that you're not totally worried about it, uh, but still get a nice straight line out of it. It's it's pretty good. I I It's totally different than I remember it, but I was a, t- a totally different player at that time, so that's not, not surprising at all. Um, I think a lot of people, if you're looking for something to fit in in that range and you haven't quite found your favorite fairway driver or your favorite mid-range type thing, it might be something to try, especially if you're like, oh, I've been trying these. I tried a T-Bird and it's too overstable and and I've got my buzz and it's, it's working pretty well, but I think I can get a little more distance. I think this might be the type of disc you'd want to try. So uh, I'd, I'd encourage people to check it out. You might just love it. Like the way it flies, it's great. It gets a ton of glide. Yeah, goes really far, uh, and it's got enough stability that it's gonna finish with a little bit of fade and not and not kill you on a crazy turnover. Yeah, well, which makes me realize um, I need to put another buzz in my bag because I need to start beating something else in. You definitely because I was just about to say uh, my TI is very close to this disc at this point. 
I've beat that thing up real, real good. And between my Claymore, um, my TI Buzz, and my FDs, like I feel like any of the shots I'd want this for are kind of spoken for. But with that said, like if I lose my buzz, like I'm screwed. <laughs> so I need to put another TI in like now yeah, and start do. beating one in because it's stay if, away from my purple ones. If that one goes away, that's what, I think there's an orange one up there. There's there something is. else. Um, I just need to get I need to get one beat up to kind of stay in that mold. With that said, if that TI were to disappear for some reason and I didn't beat something up, I could see myself messing with a squall to uh bridge the gap bridge the gap uh it's it's a lovely disc but yeah with that I think said this would be a good tahoe disc. I, i'm not gonna i'm not bagging it at this point because uh i have those other discs that kind of fit all those shots that i currently carry all right so we are two for four on this one both in on the beer begrudgingly joe i think feels obligated to to it's a, no it's a nice beer it's a nice beer it really is it really it's really like a world i should live in but i just like you know drink water or drink beer what do you want to do <laughs> I t- oh, that's a joke that's a joke five three is not water um it's a lovely beer it tastes good oh um, man so we're, we're two out of four both in on the beer both both out on the disc, but it's it was impressive. This was this was one of the uh, more surprising uh, disc reviews. We didn't expect this one to to impress us as much as it did. So uh, this is a uh, Calvin Heimberg interview skills, <laughs> just enough to like get the point across. But like that's it. <laughs> watch the interview you'll you'll totally get it <laughs> got it all right well that's it for our dear review segment brought to you by otbdisc.com don't forget to use promo code dg podcast to get free shipping on your next order uh, in the meantime check us out on itunes leave a five-star review and uh, that'll help other people find the podcast we really appreciate it i love seeing the new five-star reviews come through and uh reading your guys's comments so uh always appreciate that please drop those five stars leave a nice comment for other people to find the show check out our website throw stuff at stuff.com we have uh shirts up there or sorry no shirts we have hats i think there's a couple shirts left um and a disc or two but uh check those out we got some awesome stuff on our website you can also find a link to join our slack group on that website throw stuff at stuff.com slash join slack it's an awesome community of disc golfers. You can find all kinds of things there. Uh, it's mostly like a disc buying enabling universe. So if you're if you're planning on trying to cut back on the amount of discs you want to buy, definitely don't come there. It's it's a terrible place for 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 that. But everything else, it's great. So check it out. Uh, throw stuff at stuff.com. Hit the join Slack link. Meet us there. Lastly patreon.com slash the disc golf podcast we do a pre-show before every single podcast and you can get access to all of those instantly by becoming a patron it's like an extension of the regular show except it's before it that's why we call it a pre-show and a little more wild if you love the the podcast you will absolutely love the pre-show uh we get a little crazier but not that much crazier sometimes it depends but uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's good time, which means sometimes we get way crazier. <laughs> sometimes we get way crazier. Sometimes we get way crazier on the main show. We never know. But check it out. It's helped support the show, keeps us going, and we really appreciate it. So thank you to all the patrons that are out there at the moment and get out there this weekend.
and throw stuff at stuff. This is a song for the aceless. But those with aces, listen closely. You don't always have to huck it hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes you got to lay it up and fucking outrun an ace or two. Sometimes you got to ease if you want to put the D's and the B's. Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm gonna throw it softly. I'm gonna hug it gently. I'm gonna flick it smoothly. I'm gonna toss it so sweetly. And then you say, hey, I hit some metal. And then you say, wait a minute, Robin. I think I'm starting to get it now. Could you fill my throat for me? That's fucking teamwork. What's your favorite disc? That's cool with me. It's not a trespass, but I guess it works for you. What's your favorite beer? The only answer is an IPA, so let's go to the bar. And then I'm gonna flick it so sweetly. And then I'll fucking hug it softly. And then I'll fucking throw it perfectly. But then I'm gonna hug it. 